The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, you know, full responsibility for, for how I've played. And, and uh, you know, we haven't won enough games. Um, we haven't scored enough points. Uh, we haven't done things well enough. So, I, you know, I take responsibility for that as a quarterback. You play, um, you know, a big role in, in those things. So, um, you know, that's what I'm focused on. I'm working on improving and making sure that, uh, you know, myself as well as the, the offense as well as the team is, is uh, ready to go and we're, we're improving daily. You can't get everything, right? Nobody gets everything. So you try to comp- if you're going to compromise on some lack of perfection and you're looking for the perfect, the perfect wife, right, or husband, you know, you got to decide what you want to live without. Uh, but when it comes right down to it, Football players come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. So, you know, we like you like to have a six foot three corner, but they're not all six foot three. So, you know, does the five eleven, five ten corner? What does he do well? You know, does he have range? Can he make plays on the ball? Can he jam people at the line? Can he move his feet? But we like physical players. Just some snippets of some sound today. John Harbaugh talking about his new contract. I continue to be amazed by the fact that he is 59 and Chuck Knoll retired as head coach of the Steelers at 59 and was never heard from again. And John Harbaugh leading your Baltimore Ravens, Miles Simmons. Don't call him that. Years into the future. Hello. I wasn't surprised uh, well, today that you were here on a Tuesday. I got the memo this time. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's nice to be here, Mike. You know, it's the sort of slow time in the NFL a little bit. You know, we get a little respite between the, the big part of free agency and the draft. Are you excited for the draft at all? I know, like, I know, that, you're, I know that you're extremely know. excited for the draft. You are about <laughs> as excited for the draft as you are for that ham and cheese with arugula that you're going to be eating after the show. That's awesome. Oh, someone's been reading my tweets today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I creep on your page, as my kid would say. I follow you. Your tweets pop up. I must know how many tries it took you to get Wordle every single day of my life. Well, it was five today, which uh, was, you know, I don't know if we should. I don't, and I don't even know why no spoilers. Uh, that word was a word. Uh, that word, I, I got don't it. know if that's a real word. I was really confused I got it. by that. I wasn't happy. I got it in five also, but it's one of those yeah. where the fourth try should have been it, and I feel like they find a rhyming word that starts with mm-hmm. a different letter just to give us a middle finger. The New York Times has given us a middle finger. Yes, well, I'm not surprised by that, although they should be giving you the middle finger. I'm a coastal elite. What is this? You live in West Virginia. I live in one of those flyover states that <laughs> exactly. they should be ignoring, and they do ignore. <laughs> I'm used to being ignored. Life is easier when you are ignored. Tyron Matthew had been ignored through the first few weeks of free agency. He really didn't hear much about his future. And I think part of it is he has fairly high financial expectations. And part of it is anger, denial, bargaining, depression, acceptance. You got to let a guy work through the phases of understanding that maybe he's not going to get 
eight figures per year on his next contract. He's been around for a while. He did well for himself with the Chiefs. Chiefs dodged a bullet three years ago. They wanted Earl Thomas. That wouldn't have worked out very well. Worked out Mm -hmm. extremely well with Tyron Matthew, but they've moved on. And now he potentially goes back to New Orleans where he played in the vicinity, Baton Rouge, for the LSU Tigers. Remember, he got kicked off the team for, God forbid, smoking marijuana. What a scourge on society. That was only 10 years ago. Look at how the world has changed since then. But Tyron Matthew turned his life around, turned his career around, and I think it would be awesome to see him land with a team like the Saints. Oh, for sure. I mean, look, I mean, you talk about somebody who's beloved as anybody um, in New Orleans, despite not playing for a franchise in the NFL that's located there. You're really talking about somebody in Tyron Matthew. And I I think – he fills a need, certainly, for what the Saints were going to have to have on defense, right? Got to remember Malcolm Jenkins just retired, and he was out there when he was on the field for basically every single snap defensively. And that is something that also Tyron Matthew has done when he was in Kansas City, also when he was with the Texans a couple years there um, with the Cardinals as well. So this is a veteran safety, somebody that can fill the back end of that defense. He's really smart. He's seen pretty much everything in the league, and that's something that I've always been struck by. Honestly, he's one of my favorite players to watch play football, just the way he plays and his style. So I think it will be really fun to see him paired with Dennis Allen down there in New Orleans. I really do think the Saints are confident that they can disrupt the NFC South, the NFC at large. Everyone is locking on to the Rams and the Buccaneers as the best two teams in the conference, and for good reason. Packers without Devontae Adams are not as high-end of a contender as maybe they would have been. We'll see what their plan is at receiver. The Cowboys seem to be kind of all over the place right now. Michael Irvin, Hall of Fame receiver, addressed that recently. They need to make up with Will what they've lost in skill, I think was his quote, or something to that effect. And the Saints swept the Buccaneers in the regular season the last two seasons, including a game with Dennis Allen running the show and shutting out Tom Brady and company. So they are in a position, I think, to make things interesting in the NFC. And having Tyron Matthew there would be fascinating. And, And remember the pleasantries that Tyron Matthew and Tom Brady exchanged in Super Bowl was it Super Bowl 55? Was that the game where they yes. were jawing at each other? That was when they met. Yeah, that was Super yeah. Bowl 55. Yeah. Yeah. Tyron Matthew in Brady's face and Brady kind of baiting him and, and, Ma- and Matthew taking the bait. We would see that twice this year, potentially, if Tyron Matthew ends up with the Saints. I'm now officially rooting for Tyron Matthew to end up with the Saints. Oh, well, I was already rooting for it, and I, I wish I could remember I mean, even more now. this on Twitter. Yes, yes, of course. Oh, well, yeah. You always want the pot to get stirred, Mike. And I don't blame you, yes. but this would certainly be one of these interesting things that could do it. But I, I saw this on Twitter today, and I don't remember who said it, so I apologize for not giving the proper citation. But if Tyron Matthew were to sign with the New Orleans Saints, A, that jersey would fly off the shelves. B, Taysom Hill ought to be ready to give up that number seven jersey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he may be giving up his roster spot by the time it's all said and done, by the way. That's a different issue altogether. By the way, it's not the pot that I like to stir. It's something else. One more letter, still ending in T. That's what oh, I like to stir. Life That's is spicier. No, it's not. Unfortunately, <laughs> it needs one more letter. There are no good five-letter curse words. Do you ever find yourself just throwing in made-up words to see if maybe you get lucky and you hit the- I tried one today. Yes. I tried one today <laughs> that I thought was a word, and it rejected it. Not that I was trying to do a curse word, 
But based upon <laughs> how I had done my first couple guesses, I thought maybe this would be the word, and it, it rejected it as a word. I'll tell you during the break because we don't want to give any spoilers. So I think my wife and I both do Wordle, but before we've each done it, like I don't want to hear anything from her. I don't want to hear how many tries. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything about any guesses. I want to go in completely and totally fresh because like if – if I, every once in a while I'll see somebody complain about how difficult the word of word is, it's like, why don't you just tell me what it was then? Because now I go into it thinking, well, I better use an X or a Y in my first guess, or, you know, uh, I'm not going to get it because they already told me how hard the word is. Anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, stir in the pot. You can, uh, yeah, yeah. Say, you can always add an S to these different words. That's true. And then you that's can true. get five. So, you know, oh, the thing true. that you're stirring, you could always just add another S to it. Or if, I had, you know, I, something else I, that I, flies and begins with an F, you could always add an S to that, and that gives well, you a five-letter curse it, word. It, no F's given. It, that's five letters. So, yes, uh, I go. like that. I may have to try that. When I get particularly frustrated <laughs> with Wordle, I may, I may do that. I've, I've given it to Siri before, too. I've gotten mad at Siri, and she doesn't get very happy when – she hears profanity. She shuts down pretty quickly. All right, before we shut down the show, let's move on to other things that yeah. are football-related. Drew Brees, Hall of Fame-to-be, Saints quarterback. He believes the offense is set up for success with Jameis Winston. Well, they did try to get Deshaun Watson. Jameis Winston was their safety quarterback. After they didn't get Watson, they go straight for Jameis Winston. But he's been there for a while he was the backup to drew Brees in 2020 the starter last year tore his acl week eight against the tampa bay buccaneers a game that trevor simeon came in and won against tom brady and company that one's got a stick in brady's craw he lost hey brady you should be ashamed you lost trevor simeon what's wrong with you tom are you getting old but uh winston back and now he's got two more years with the saints and hey look I think that Winston has a lot of work to do to run the offense the right way. We assume it's going to be the same offense. There's no reason to believe it won't be with Pete Carmichael still there and most of the coaching staff still there. But, you know, Miles, Winston brings a deep ball to that offense that Drew Brees didn't have late in his career if he ever did. But mid to short range, that's where Winston has to improve his accuracy, and he acknowledged that recently. He needs to work on his accuracy mid-range. We, we, I think, have a greater appreciation now of what – Drew Brees did in that offense the way he was able to orchestrate it in short to medium range, especially without the deep threat to push safeties away from the line of scrimmage. Brees was a master. Winston is still working on his his undergraduate degree in mastering that kind of an offense. Oh, sure he is. But I think one thing that we maybe um, discounted from what that offense was or wasn't last year was that Michael Thomas wasn't there. And so when you have somebody in Thomas who runs those intermediate routes so well, I mean, how many times did we see Drew Brees hit Michael Thomas on a slant? And I think that that's really going to help Jameis Winston. You know, And so depending on how many reps he can get with somebody like that in the offseason program, in training camp, those kinds of things are going to help him. And he also acknowledged that he's got to use Alvin Kamara in the underneath routes more as well. So Dennis Allen last week was talking about how He's got faith in Jameis Winston because of that 14 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio. Now, and that's something that obviously Jameis Winston had to improve at. You know, you can't have 30 interceptions and then still expect to be uh, a starting quarterback in the National Football League, especially because guys are just taking care of the football so much better than they may have in the past. But Winston isn't even 30 yet. You know, and it feels like he's been around forever since he was the first pick 
in that 2015 draft. He's going into year eight. Yeah, he is set up pretty well for some success now, and I guess we'll see if he'll be able to do it, but it is going to depend on whether or not he can really truly adapt to what this offense is and to what Pete Carmichael is going to be putting into his ear every single play. And there is a caveat as it relates to Jameis Winston. Not that he has to worry about Blake Bortles. He was released today at his request. I have a feeling the Saints were surprised to learn he was still on the roster. So, yes, they let him go. That was a funny But I do think there is something to this possibility that the Saints' decision to pick up a second first-round pick this year, then I have number 16 and number 19 in round one after doing the trade yesterday with the Eagles – that that could be the first step toward potentially making a move into the top 10 to get ahead of Carolina and Atlanta to get a quarterback. We're going to talk about Kenny Pickett coming up. That could be who they're targeting, maybe Malik Willis. You know, we hear in the months before the draft that there aren't enough good quarterbacks and nobody really merits being a top 10 pick. That's all well and good until you have teams that don't have a quarterback and are desperate to find one, and we've made it through free agency and trade season. So what are you going to do? You're going to draft them in round one, and you're going to see quarterbacks get overdrafted like they often are. So I'm very fascinated by what the Saints may do, and it could be that Jameis Winston ends up being the guy who is the short-term number one and then becomes the subject of all sorts of, well, how long is he going to be the quarterback, and will he yield to the rookie, whoever the rookie may be, if that happens. They're paying him pretty well, not great money. They're paying him pretty well, but not so much that it would be odd if they draft a rookie and work him into the mix sooner rather than later, Miles? Well, I mean, that basically all just means that Jameis Winston could be this year's Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, how many headlines did we write last and last year, basically, of when is Trey Lance going to take over for Jimmy G? And it never ended up happening last year. I mean, obviously, Trey Lance played in some games where Garoppolo was hurt. They moved away from the kind of Trey Lance package that they had early on in the season with Kyle Shanahan basically saying, like, look, this is a little bit too weird for me as an offensive play caller. But I I can see that happening from the Saints. But at the same time, Jameis Winston's not a guy who doesn't have talent. I mean, again, he was picked number one overall for a reason. You know, he led the league in passing yards in 2019. And again, yeah, he threw for 30 interceptions. And whenever you throw for 30 interceptions, that's going to negate a lot of the other things that you've done. But again, he threw for 5,100 passing yards that year. So Winston's got a lot of ability. And frankly, I, I would rather see Jameis Winston than some rookie who's coming in this year with the New Orleans Saints, in part to, to be what you mentioned at the top of the show, that they could be a disruptor in the NFC. Like I, I personally think that Jameis Winston gives them a much better chance to be one of those teams than maybe, say, like Kenny Pickett or whatever rookie quarterback they might be inserting in there. And that would mean then that the Saints have done the various permutations on the mock drafts and they've decided they'll get impact players at number 16 and number 19 who can help them right away as they try to keep up with the Buccaneers and maybe make a move toward the top of the conference. The expectations are going to be, I don't want to say low, they're going to be vague. They're going to be uncertain for the Saints this year. And they've got the potential to be good. They've got the potential to be bad. We'll see what they do with Dennis Allen in and Sean Payton obviously out. The Panthers, I mentioned them, they have the sixth overall pick in the draft. They can't convince any franchise quarterbacks to voluntarily play for them. So the only way to get a franchise quarterback (laughs) is to force him to come to Carolina through the process known as the draft. Inherently, 
un-American, forcing people who are entering a workforce go. to go to a city they may not want to live in, play for a team they don't want to play for, work for a coach they may not want to work for, work for an owner they may not want to get their checks from. But that's okay because it's an honor and a privilege to be compelled to start your career in a city that you may not want to work in. Nothing against Charlotte, but he should be able to choose. Whoever it is, whoever they draft, I live in should Charlotte, be able to frankly, choose. So I don't know. Charlotte. Didn't you live in did you live in Charlotte? I did live in Charlotte. Tell me more. I lived in Charlotte. Tell me more. I lived in Charlotte when I started working here. The well, South is not more. for me. It is nothing it is nothing to, I mean like Charlotte is a lovely place with lovely people. The South no, is not tell for me. More. me. I would much rather tell be in more. Southern California. I need to, I need to fly that, you with arugula. I want the story. Come on, man. I want the story. Miles <laughs> Simmons hates Charlotte. Film at 11. I, I, I don't like any city in the South. I, I'm not a Southern guy. I don't like it. I don't like being there. It's not, it's not for me. I much prefer to be in Southern California. That's all I need to say. All right. Uh, anyway, the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I act, like, I act like I'm moving you along. I'm the one that started down that path. The Carolina Panthers bringing in six quarterbacks. Also, there's no such place as Carolina. And you said he's going to Carolina. It's either North Carolina or South Carolina. And I understand the Carolina Panthers. Carolinas. I know. But they, there's, no, there's no such place. I'm sorry. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a weird semantics thing that kind of bugs me. I you love can't say he's going to Carolina. I love Charlotte. I love Charlotte. I would you live can, in Charlotte I, if they had no state You can say he's going tax. to North Carolina or he's going to South Carolina. We can't say okay. he's going to Carolina. He could go to the Carolina organization, but Carolina is not a place. He is going, going to, to Carolinas. the town that is on the border of North and South Carolina, known as Charlotte, where the Carolina Panthers, yes. not the Carolinas Panthers, play their games. <laughs> so it's Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Matt Corral. I want to say Coral. I feel like I continue to go through the same thing I went through for about six months when Roger Goodell became the commissioner. Everybody wanted to call him Roger Goodell. Every time I see Matt Corral's name, I want to see Coral, and I can't get past that mental hurdle. Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, Bailey. This, you know, this I, I can prove I'm not a draft expert because this <laughs> last one I think is a guy I've never even heard of. Sorry, Mel Kiper. Who is he? Bailey. Bailey Zappa. Frank Zappa. Is this uh, Moon Unit? And uh, what were the weird Boy. names of the Zappa kids? There was Moon Unit. What was the what? boy's name? Frank Zappa's son. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I'll be honest, too. I don't know who this quarterback is. I don't really say. I'm not a draft guy. I'm not Daniel Jeremiah. I'm not Mel Kuyper. Okay. We went to Western Kentucky. Directional Thank you, Kentucky. Uh, Courtney. Directional Kentucky. I have no idea what the Zappas are. We've... We've totally lost. You don't know who Frank this. Zappa is. What is this? What are you? Is this a show? Frank Zappa was a musician in the '60s, and I'm uh, well, I, that doesn't mean the world did not exist before you were born. There were people <laughs> who actually accomplished things. They lived in houses. They drove cars. They spoke on the telephone, and some of them played the guitar and sang including Frank Zappa. Are you familiar with Elvis? Have you heard of Elvis? Yeah. Okay. You know, people still, it's going to be a good movie coming out soon about Elvis. Probably moon Zappa and Dweezil Zappa. Dweezil (laughs) is the son whose name had escaped me. That's what happens when you take LSD and then start coming up with the names of your children. Anyway, Bailey Zappa. And I know it's not pronounced Zappa, but I like saying Zappa is one of the other ones visiting the Carolinas. Um, so 
Kenny Pickett's an interesting prospect for a variety of reasons. Tiny little baby hands, and he's defensive oh. about that. And he believe well, he's got small hands, and small hands are an issue. Bill Parcells was huge on hand size. If you were under nine inches, you were off the board. Unless you could walk on water, you were off the board. If you were under nine inches, and the 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 records are out hand there, size. the history's out there. How hard it is. If you're under right, right, hand size. If you're, well, you stop. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, here's Kenny Pickett talking about why he thinks he'll be the first quarterback drafted on a podcast that I can't remember the name of it, but it was actually a pretty good show. Uh, and uh, I will know the name of the guy because I think he's got a future in the business. Here's Kenny Pickett. Tough question. Are, are you QB1? Are you going to be the first quarterback pick? I am. I am. I think so. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I just think you look at like – the game now and how it's changing. I'm a mobile guy that came in a West Coast pro-style system. I started a program that was five and seven the first year I was in it. Mm-hmm. You know, we left as ACC champions, eleven and two. So I know how to win. I know the process it takes to get there. It's never an easy thing, and it, you know, I'll make that transition. You know, I feel like faster in the NFL now because of that experience, and I know yeah. how to go about my business as a pro, uh, kind of being an older guy. Uh, I think that's at the end of the day. That's what you know. Coming out of the position, it's like, can you win? Do you know how to do you know how to handle all the things that it takes to be a quarterback? Uh, and I definitely, I definitely do. So I think, yeah, I am QB one. It's great to have confidence. You have to have confidence bordering on delusion to be successful in the NFL. You have to believe in yourself like no one else believes in you, and you got to act like you are the man. And then you got to go out and prove it at some point. But that confidence is kind of oozing from Kenny Pickett, and you know he could be in the right system with the right team without having to play out in the elements. He had a lot of fumbles playing at Pitt. He could be a, a pretty good NFL quarterback. Wears those gloves all the time. And those gloves he wears, I don't know if they're tight or what. They actually make his hands seem smaller than they are. When I see the pictures of him in his gloves, it's like some sort of an optical illusion. By the way, Adam Brenneman is the person who hosted the podcast and had the extended discussion with Kenny Pickett. And Adam Brenneman did not respond to any of that by saying there's a drive into deep left field. So, uh, anyway... Um, like that one. Didn't That's get that one. Us. I know. Did you get I, that I, one? All right. All right. Uh, all right. All right. I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, Pickett also said during that interview with Adam, not Tom Brenneman, that the Saints were the most challenging interview that he had at the scouting combine, that they really put him through the paces. They give him a play call to remember. And then while he's talking about something else, they'll rattle him or at least try to what's the name of the play call again. And he said they were like that at the senior bowl too. That tells me, you know, number one, maybe they're that thorough with everyone, but they're really kicking the tires on this guy and teams should, if your quarterback needy or at least interested, you've got to put the work in, you've got to put these guys through the paces. And it sounds like the saints were taking a very close look at Kenny Pickett, but we'll see where he goes, you know, going into this whole broader draft process, you assume quarterbacks are not going to start coming off the board until the middle of the round. Maybe there's only going to be two. I think we're going to see one in the top ten now. Maybe two. Who knows? I mean, once it starts, you never know when it stops. And the teams that haven't been able to otherwise find a good quarterback are going to be willing to take their shots because it's not like it was pre-2011. You're not saddled with a financial obligation that wears you down for multiple years to come. You can get it wrong. And if you get it wrong, you know what happens? You get a chance to do it again in a couple of years, if not sooner. Maybe the very next year, like the Cardinals did, from Josh Rosen to Kyler Murray in 2018 to 2019. And when you've got owners very involved, like David Tepper in Carolina, he doesn't care. He'll he'll swing the bat. He's desperate to get a franchise quarterback, and they can't find one who will go to the Carolinas. So, uh, yes, we'll see. 
Yes. I mean, the, the Panthers are, are, are a fascinating team here because where they sit right now, especially in the draft, like they, they could get jumped. I mean, they, you got a team in the Jets that's not looking for a quarterback that is still rebuilding. That's at four overall, but they've also got to pick at 10 overall. Right, so if you're the Falcons, if you're the Saints, if you're whoever, maybe even if you're Carolina, you've got to make sure that if you fall in love with a QB, whether it's Kenny Pickett, whether it's somebody else, that you get that guy. And so even if this is not the most highly touted class of quarterbacks, if you're Carolina at number seven, I think they are. I'm so sorry. I don't have it right in front of me right now. But if six. you're in Carolina the Carolina at six. Okay, they're six. Yeah. So if you're Carolina at six and you know that – I think the Giants are ahead of you and the Jets are before that. You've got to make sure that you get that guy if you fall in love with him. So I would not be shocked if Carolina, if somebody like the Saints, and you were just mentioning, if they're kicking the tires on Kenny Pickett and they fall in love with him, there are two teams in their division that are probably actively looking for quarterbacks. You've got to make sure you can go up and get that guy. Right. And if you're the Jets, I mean, if you want to move back, like, hell yeah, this is, this is a draft to do it because you don't necessarily have the type of top heavy class that it can be. And if you can pick up more premium picks, then go do that. So I, I think the Jets or the Giants are in a really good spot if it just so happens that one of these teams falls in love with a guy like Pickett. And think about this too. I hadn't I hadn't really considered this possibility. This is next level double secret probation type stuff. What if oh. the Saints did this to get the two picks because they're comfortable with the guys they'll get at 16 and 19 to fill immediate needs so they can have an impact and they can give the Buccaneers and the Rams a run for their money. But they also like the fact that it has the indirect benefit of freaking out the Panthers and the Falcons, right, and making yeah. them more, more concerned, more worried, more tormented about whether or not they're going to get the quarterback they want and maybe getting them to burn some assets, move up a little higher, whatever they have to do to get a guy that maybe the Saints have concluded is not going to be very good. And maybe you can, you can rope-a-dope them into doing something stupid. You know, there are layers and levels of skullduggery that goes on with the draft. Not only do you want to get guys that are going to be good for you, you want your most common adversaries to screw it up if you yes. can find a way to get them to screw it up. I remember when, 2008, Bill Parcells, then with the Dolphins, putting out the word aggressively that he loved Vernon Golston, loved Vernon Golston, loved Vernon Golston, hated Vernon Golston, but put out the, the word that he loved Vernon Golston. And then what happened? His former protege, Mike Tannenbaum, drafts Vernon Golston, and Golston is a bust to end all busts. That happens. And when it happens, it's fascinating. So maybe there's a little of that Jedi mind trick that the Saints are trying to pull on the Panthers and the Falcons. I love the unintended consequences of things that just kind of happen, right? I mean, look at what happened in the AFC West when the Raiders acquired Devontae Adams, and then obviously that just drives the market straight up on wide receiver contracts, and boom, Tyreek Hill is out of the division, and he goes to Miami. So whenever you can do something like that that has the sort of Jedi mind trick of these aren't the droids you're looking for, maybe, uh, that's something that I think teams would love to take advantage of. And so, yeah, I, if you're the Saints and you've done that and now you've maybe freaked out your division rivals a little bit, that's two teams that you might hurt for the next three to five years, if they end up doing something that gets them a quarterback who's just not really equipped to play at the NFL level. Uh, from that to a guy who couldn't accomplish a Jedi mind trick on a block of cheese, Rob Gronkowski, he says that he's not what? ready to commit 
to the game of football right now. Uh, he has previously said, sense. yes, it did. He's, he's dumb. He's dumb. But he knows it. He owns it. That's how he, he's okay. lovable. He's doing his Gronk Beach right. thing this year. Draft Gronk or whatever it is. Gronk this, Gronk that, Gronk, Gronk, Gronk. He says he's not ready to commit to football right now. He has previously said he would only play for the Buccaneers if he plays for anyone. I think it's just a matter of time before Tom Brady puts the bat signal on or you know grabs him by the ear and pulls him from South Beach up to Tampa Bay. I think Gronk will show up at the appropriate time, skip the offseason program if need be. And who knows? Maybe there won't be a formal offseason program. Last year, there was kind of a rebellion that we that I at least had forgotten about. I wrote about it today. I've talked about it earlier in the week. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers were at the forefront of the boycott the offseason workouts. Maybe it's just Tom Brady and the guys getting together to catch passes, and Gronk shows up for a few of those sessions, signs a contract later, doesn't have to go to mandatory minicamp, doesn't have to do anything, shows up for training camp. They definitely will leave a light on for him. They left the light on for Tom Brady. They'll leave a light on for Gronk. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, as long as Tom Brady is there and he's the quarterback, they're always going to leave a light on for any pass catcher that he could possibly want, except apparently for now Antonio Brown, because Antonio Brown played his way out of that. But that's not really what we're talking about. You know, Mike, I was surprised when I went and I looked at the stats and Gronkowski had 800 receiving yards last year on, I think, 55 catches, six touchdowns. And he was only playing for 12 games. You know, the, the year before, he only had 600-some of those. And so they really seem to just get that Brady-Gronk connection back. And part of that probably had to do with the wide receiver situation that was going on down there in Tampa Bay. But you know, if he had been healthy for all 17 games, he definitely would have had another season of over 1,000 yards receiving. And when you're Gronkowski and you're getting to the age you're at, this guy does not need to practice very much, okay? I mean, especially if he's playing with Tom Brady. That's something that he just doesn't necessarily need to do. So he's still one of the elite pass-catching tight ends in the game. And as long as Tom Brady is there, there's going to be a space for him on that roster if he wants it. That first year in Tampa Bay, he was blocking a lot. And I remember Bruce Arians, former coach of the Bucks, now former just by about five days, saying we brought him in to block, which was just kind of that one of those weird, clearly bogus BS things that Arians would say from time to time. And I don't know what he tried to prove by saying things that were so blatantly false. They didn't bring him to block. They brought him to catch passes, but they worked him in slowly. And he stepped up when they needed it down the stretch into the postseason and all the way through the Super Bowl. And that's what Gronk can do. So I, I expect him to be back now that Tom Brady's back, and uh, to take his career one year at a time the same way Tom Brady is. All right, we take this show one segment at a time. First segment over. We're going to take a break. When we return, the latest on the Washington Commander's congressional investigation and whether it will impact their on-field success in 2022. More PFTPM right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It has been a battle of press releases over the past couple of days, whether it's the commanders denying or Jason Friedman, the former Washington commanders employee, making counter allegations through his lawyer, Lisa Banks, 
bottom line is here's what we know. Here's the here's the the current state of affairs. Jason Friedman, 24 years with the team, testified to the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform as to financial irregularities within the organization, including this notion that there was some sort of shorting of the visiting team ticket fund. That's what we can discern and infer from the various statements and allegations that have been made. The Washington Commanders, after initially being silent in specific response to that claim, have said it's false. You saw Joe Tacopina's statement there. And Tacopina's most recent comment relates to the suggestion that the Commanders have defamed Jason Friedman by saying whoever would say that that this happened would be committing perjury if testifying, even though they don't name him. I mean, it gets into some weird lawyer stuff. But the bottom line is we know what the allegation is. We don't know whether or not it's true. And I sure would love to know if it is or isn't true. And I'd like to think the league would love to know if it is or isn't true. And I can't help but wonder at some level whether or not the league doesn't really want to go too far down this path because the league is supposed to be catching these things. And if the league didn't, then it's going to have egg to scrape off of its face, too, by the time this is all said and done. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got, you know, 31 other ownership groups that I'm sure would really like the answer to this question as well. I mean, I don't know if there could be anything more uh, serious than one owner shorting the other owners in terms of their money. Right. You're talking about billionaires here. They don't like it when people mess around with their money. And I I think I'm saying that pretty kindly. So this is a pretty serious thing. And like I. I just I can't imagine that anybody would go to Congress and say something like this unless they had some sort of receipt. So I would love to know what the evidence is here and if there is any, because if there isn't, then this is just even more of a mess. Yeah. And and at some point you would think that Washington would want the truth to come out. It's not enough to say these payments and calculations are independently audited. There has to be something tangible that you can give us and maybe it gets boring and maybe nobody's interested in presenting the numbers and maybe there is no way to verify the numbers i don't know they could as i've said previously remove whatever restriction lisa banks who represents jason friedman seems to think applies to his ability to speak publicly and let him tell his story just let him tell his story and if he defames the commanders or team owner daniel snyder who have to deal with the legal consequences but if he has evidence if he has receipts if he can back it up and show that it happened then i think that's something that we should be looking to and shouldn't the nfl at a minimum be saying we will investigate this we will talk to jason friedman this posture of head low mouth shut head in the sand not saying anything not doing anything while this controversy is boiling out there it is weird and i expect there to be more reporting what we have is front office sports is pushing from the perspective of there's something wrong and -hmm. you're getting people from the team side, I think leaking to the athletic, the counter to that. And it puts the publications in a tough spot because they're just using what's being given to them, but it sets up almost battle lines between the two publications where front office sports is coming off as team Jason Friedman and the athletic is coming off as team Washington commanders. And I don't think either side really wants that to be the case but that's kind of how it's unfolding yeah it is especially i mean that's just the way it is based on the reporting that we have right now but yeah i think that we can anticipate that there's going to be some more reporting out of this but i also you know i was just saying with the receipts and all that 
if you worked for the Washington franchise for that long, and you know, presumably, just how litigious Dan Snyder is, I just can't imagine that you would go public about this, even if it was initially just to Congress right now. I mean, now we all know what the allegation is, right? There's got to be something that you can prove if you're going to make this allegation, because otherwise, you know, Dan Snyder is going to sue you in absolute hell. So like, I don't, that, that's kind of where my mind's at with it. And, you know, we'll see where the reporting leads. Yeah. I mean, the reality is there's a good chance you're getting sued, even if you're right. That's so true. not only yes. do you have to be right, you better have a legal defense fund uh, and uh, the, the nerve because if there's any misunderstanding, if there's any confusion, if you get anything wrong, you got to worry about Snyder coming after you. That is a statement of opinion, not fact. Please don't come after me, Daniel Snyder, for expressing my opinion based upon your history of filing litigation, including the claim that I think is still pending in India over a report from some website that I can't even remember the oh, name yeah. of the website that spawned all yeah. sorts of fights in the United States in different jurisdictions over trying to get documents. And as far as I know, that's still going on because I haven't heard anything about it in a while. We expected the commanders to be better last year when they were simply the Washington football team because they surprised us by making it to the playoffs in 2020. They took a step back last year. So much hype for that defense. The defense didn't step up. Ryan Fitzpatrick gets injured week one. The offense doesn't step up. Ron Rivera said today that year three is when they should be taking another step and they do need to take another step I I don't I don't really think it's wise for coaches to raise expectations I think it's always good to keep the expectations low so if you have a mediocre season it looks better because we didn't expect you to be mediocre if we expect you to be good and you're mediocre then it looks like you failed so keep the expectations low but Ron Rivera, I still believe, is the best thing that team has going for it. I wonder why he chose to go work there, frankly, because the dysfunction still continues to affect the organization as a football team, like Alex Smith said last week. But we'll see. Carson Wentz, everybody's writing him off. I think Carson Wentz still has some good football left in him. I think he does. If he gets hard coaching, if he takes hard coaching, and if he finally learns how to do the easy parts of the job, he can do the hard parts of the job, he stumbles over the easy parts of the job. Don't be a jerk to your teammates. Don't act like you're too big or too good to be there. Take coaching when it comes your way without getting pissy. And that's the way that you get the most out of your abilities. And also learn to get rid of the football when the play's over. Don't hold on to it trying to be Superman to the point where you throw a left-handed interception or something dumb like that. And if we play these plays long enough, we're going to see it. And there it is. There it is. It's just a matter of time. It usually is. And then there's the finger pointing. Now, you know, I – when Ron Rivera said what he said, you know, one of the other things he said was that the first season he was there was kind of an anomaly, right? When you go to the playoffs at seven and nine and you win your division, that that is an anomaly. And it's something that, frankly, he in his in his career had done before with the Carolina Panthers, where you go into the postseason with a losing record. So I, I agree with you that Ron Rivera is the best thing that the commanders have going for them right now. Um, but I also think it's not the worst thing in the world when you're a little bit honest, right? I, I, you're saying take another step. That's not necessarily saying all that much when you only won seven games in the last couple of years, right? So they do when you're in year three of a system, of a program. You have to be able to take that step forward. That's the, only, that's the entire reason why they went out and they got Carson Wentz in the first place. So not so that they could you know, be the same or have lower expectations. But when you get a QB who you think can help you ascend, then yeah, 
it's it's fair to say that the expectations are raised, and I don't mind that Ron Rivera is not running from that. I think it's good. But the other thing he said in that in that piece that uh, that was on ESPN is that you know my second year was that kind of on par, maybe a step back, because even though I felt we were immature, I was hopeful that we could get it straightened up and we could work it and go in the right direction. So if that's the case, you're getting the QB in Carson Wentz that the last two stops he's had, we've heard on the way out that maturity issues have been the problem, right? Leadership has been a problem. Taking the hard coaching has been a problem. So they've got to hope that Carson Wentz is over those things. Because if not, then you're going to probably be in the same place. Yeah, I think you're right. And I really do believe, based upon the raw and candid and behind-the-scenes Ron Rivera that we saw during the all-or-nothing season that they uh, were the subject, Amazon has stopped doing that show. I thought that show was awesome because it really gave you some insight as to how the sausage gets made during the actual sausage-making season, not before it's time to actually make the sausage. So during the season, you get some – and I think it's easier to lose sight of the fact that the cameras are there. You're caught up in what you're doing. You forget about the cameras. No? Yes? I mean, I was, no? there, I was there with the Rams when they did it in uh, 2016, and you don't forget the cameras are there. Well, well, I, well, Ron Rivera was a very different guy in the locker room Fair. at halftime when they were getting their asses kicked all over the place on a Thursday night by the Steelers. And that guy, that personality came out in that moment. I could see him sitting down with Carson Wentz and saying exactly what needs to be said. That Carson, yeah. this is it for you. This is it. You, you, you have no shot to play anywhere. You're going into chronic backup mode. If anyone will even give you a job as a backup, because one thing you got to be, if you're going to be a successful backup in this league is somebody that the players on the team like they can yeah. find plenty of mediocre quarterbacks that they like they're not going to keep a mediocre quarterback that no one likes so you got to make yourself likable and accessible to your teammates you've got to make yourself subject to taking coaching and you got to be able to put that coaching into action in games and and if you don't you're done that's why i'm i'm mildly optimistic that this is going to work better than expected and maybe i have too much faith in ron rivera i should have no faith in the organization i have faith in ron rivera well i think that that makes sense right like if there's any reason that this is going to work it's because ron rivera is there he's a veteran head coach we know that he's had success as a head coach all right so it's not like this is some rookie head coach where it's like well do we even know what he's going to be able to do no we know that ron rivera can coach football I th there's no doubt about that in my mind. So if you're going to feel optimistic about Carson Wentz, and that's your reason why, I'm, I'm for it. But I would then counter with, well, Frank Reich knew him better than anybody, and he couldn't really coach him to that level that he needed to be late in the season in crunch time. And that's why Jim Irsay got so upset, and that's why Jim Irsay said, get this guy the hell off my team, basically. So, you know, yeah. And that's why he's with Washington now. Who will rid me of this meddlesome priest, I think, is what Jim Irsay said. I wasn't going to uh, say it, but then you brought it up. I say it too much. It's my drawstring phrase. Let's, let's, uh, well, meanwhile, there's a snake in my boots, so let's take a break <laughs> so I go. can get rid of it. Who needs to come out of the draft with a quarterback the most? We'll do that with uh, some other fill-on-the-blank questions when PFTPM continues right after this. It is an underrated class. Um, yeah. It's uh, There are some talented quarterbacks in this class, and they are, you know, yeah, the people aren't saying there's a number one overall quarterback, but they're starting quarterbacks in this class, and uh, I think Malik Willis is a dynamic player, and uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. I got a chance to see him play live. 
strong. And, I mean, he's got an unbelievable arm, um, cannon. Uh, heck, and my son was at the game with me, and the first thing he said to me is like, God, Dad, that guy can throw the ball hard. So, um, but just watch him move around. Hard, huh? <laughs> yeah. Just watch him move around. He's, and, I wish he would have stayed at Auburn, but, uh, you know, but uh, no, he's a great player. And then Kenny Pickett has had an outstanding year. There's a number of guys in this class that I think are going to uh, outperform their draft projection. That's Ravens executive Joe Horitz trying to get teams in front of the Ravens to draft quarterbacks because they don't need one. That's the game. That's oh. how it works. That's how it works. Oh, no. Player, Player you like. Uh, and you know you downplay him privately trash him it's very machiavellian that i've i've learned that from people who've been in the league for a long time but but no player you love crap on him every chance you can get whisper concerns to reporters who will then pass them along because the owners get influenced by the stuff that they hear from the mel kuypers of the world so if you're lucky you can trash a guy enough so he slides down and he's there so you can draft him that's how you yes. deal with the guys that you really like. For the guys you don't like, oh, wow, there's a lot of great quarterbacks because we don't need one. These quarterbacks mm-hmm. are great. There's some great starting quarterbacks. Hopefully, there'll be a run on quarterbacks before we exercise the 14th overall pick in the draft. That's how it works. You want teams who are drafting in front of you to take players that you wouldn't put on your board anyway because that moves you up the board. If you get lucky, if you're the Ravens and 13 guys go off the board that you aren't going to draft anyway, you, you have the equivalent of having the first overall pick in the draft. A hundred percent. And, you know, I guess part of this probably comes when I work for the Rams and, you know, the Rams have not had a first round pick picks. since the Obama administration. So like my last couple of years there, uh, like, we didn't really care about the first round of the NFL draft. You know, you, you see these teams, they do the mock draft roundups and we'd have to go to the, like kind of the dregs of the internet in order to find where is uh, the, the 456 pick, you know, overall, like who are they going to select? So, like, when I hear pre-draft press conferences, at this point, it's like the Charlie Brown teacher. Wah, 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 wah. Like, I just, I, I, I don't know. I have a hard time getting hyped up for the draft. I'm not doing a very good job of, like, selling these things, am I? I got to get hyped up. I'm sorry. Let's get to the fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah. Um, considering that it is your job to I know. cover the NFL and at least feign excitement over one of the big tent pole events of the offseason in Las Vegas. Did you hear it's in Las Vegas this year? I All right, did, the yeah. team that most needs to select a quarterback in round one is who, Miles? Uh, give me the Falcons because I don't really buy that they can go into this season with just Marcus Mariota as their guy, right? I mean, Arthur Smith benched Marcus Mariota. Well, he was part of the benching, I guess I should say, Vrabel still the head coach, of Marcus Mariota in 2019. And that's kind of when Arthur Smith's career as an OC really started to take off because then they put in Ryan Tannehill. So, I mean, I'm not saying that they can't have any success with Mariota and who knows what he learned there with the Raiders and how much better he can be as a QB. But, like, the the Falcons got to do something because they didn't get Deshaun Watson. They now don't have Matt Ryan. And they've got to be able to at least secure their future in some way, throw a dart at the board. And then, you know, Arizona Cardinals that if you have to in 2023 and pick another first round guy in the draft. Yeah, I'll say the Panthers for the same reasons. They can't get the guys that they're interested in to come choose to be part of the team. They tried twice to get Deshaun Watson. Didn't even get to the final two. They were dumped, and then the Browns, who were dumped before them, got back in and got it done. Now, reportedly, that's because the Panthers wouldn't guarantee the final two years of the contract. I'm surprised David Tepper wouldn't do that. He's so desperate to get a franchise quarterback. But the Panthers need 
to get a quarterback in round one, and I feel like they're going to do it. And, and, and they're going to go, if one goes before them at six, they're going to go with their second quarterback. They're going to go ahead and reach, not play games, not trade down, not mess around. I think they're going to come out of that sixth overall spot with a quarterback. The Saints made a trade to pick up a second first rounder because why, Miles? Well, I think that they want to impact players in that first round, and they want controllable contracts. I mean, think about what we talk about with the Saints every year in March. Oh, my God, the Saints are in cap hell. They've got to do their annual parade of cutting veteran guys in order to make it under the salary cap. If you can get two really good impact players that can be starters for you, not just for four years, but for five years, right, with that first-year option on these controllable, affordable contracts, I think that the Saints are going to be in a good spot. And frankly, to me, they've already got Jameis Winston, and I think he's probably their best quarterback option for 2022 at least. We'll see if he can really grab the reins on that starting role. But if I'm the Saints, I want two impact guys. I don't want a QB, Mike. Well, and they didn't pick up a second first-round pick in the top 20 this year just so they can say, hey, we have two first-round picks in the top 20. You should be impressed. There is an objective here. It's either to get two guys in that range that they've run every possible mock draft and they know with confidence they're going to get two guys that they'll be happy with based upon any and all names that could go in front of their two picks or they they do plan to try to move up or or you know maybe they're keeping the door open to a possibility to move up maybe they move up for an impact guy maybe they don't move all the way up to five they could package them together and get a guy that they think is going to come in and be great this is a weird draft because there really isn't that one or two or three sometimes they go six or seven deep where it's like these are great talents there's no one who's really wow gotta have him there could be a team that falls in love with a guy and views him that way, and maybe if a guy slips falling off, uh, the, the Saints do try to move up a little bit. All right, the team under the most pressure to nail the draft is who? Um, I'm going to say that it's the Seahawks because, look, when you trade Russell Wilson and you pick up a, a, a pick that's within the top 10, you have to be able to make sure that that guy is going to not just be an impact player, but somebody that's going to really affect your team in a positive way for years down the line. I mean, it's not just, can you get a QB, right? I mean, Kenny Pickett might be on their radar. We keep talking about him. Maybe it's one of these other QBs that they like, but you've got to be able to say like, we have to nail this because if we don't, then that Russell Wilson trade is going to look even worse by comparison because Russell Wilson's probably going to go and ball out in Denver. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to say the Jets, even though I'm not 100% sure that they're going to use all those picks. Maybe they're going to go get DK Metcalf. But I just feel like year two for Zach Wilson, year two for Robert Sala, Joe Douglas possibly getting closer and closer to getting blame for the failure of the team to make the next step. You know, the Giants cleaned house. I thought about making the Giants the team, but I don't feel like there's a ton of pressure because it is a new regime. And I feel like John Mara finally is willing to be patient. I just don't know how patient Woody Johnson is going to be with anything that's happening with the Jets. And they need to find some players who can help make that team better now so they can get more out of Zach Wilson and try to be competitive. They are among the three teams that are just kind of left by the wayside in this top-heavy AFC. There's 13 mm -hmm. contenders, and then there's the Jets, the Texans, and the Jaguars. And one of those teams would be well-served to – to break that mold and get competitive, especially the Jets, because Texans, Jaguars, you got new coaches. You're going to have more patience. I think the patience is going to run out faster for the Jets. Quick break. We'll open up the PFTPM mailbag when we return right after this. 
All right, a few quick questions on the way out the door here. Mike J.A., do you think it's possible there will be an NFL franchise in London? I'm pretty sure there would be sellout crowds all season. Financially, it'll work. Leagues have failed, but a franchise would work. I think they're going to dangle the idea of a franchise for a while. They have. There are issues like exchange rate and taxes and travel and whatnot. But here's what I'll say, Miles. If they ever have one, they will have two. Just like with L.A., Al Michaels said it within the past 10 years, but several years before it happened, if the NFL ever goes back to L.A., it's going to be two teams, not one. It'll be two teams in London, one playing at Tottenham and the other one playing at Wembley. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, But uh, logistically, it's still going to be an absolute nightmare. I think it almost would make more sense to have teams have to go over there for a game at one point during the season. So maybe you have a 16, 17-game slate until they make it 18 games, and then you have it like that. But I I think that kind of makes more sense than having a permanent team there just because of the logistical nightmare. Here's a good question from RTAGS39. Would the Cowboys have gotten more for Amari Cooper if they had waited until after the massive receiver contracts were signed? Should they have waited? Mm. Here's why they shouldn't have waited. His $20 million salary became guaranteed middle of March. There was a trigger in there that would have made his salary fully guaranteed. And, yes, you still could have traded him, but you have less leverage then because the other team knows you're stuck with $20 million that you're trying to unload. Yeah, I mean, they were going to either release him or trade him, and the Browns got in there. So I don't know that they really should have waited. I mean, the other thing that I would say is Robert Woods only fetched the fifth-round pick as well. So it's not like he would have – Amari Cooper would have fetched that much more if the Cowboys had waited. That twenty million is a lot, and it's twenty million mm-hmm. this year. That they, yeah, and there's been a restructuring in Cleveland, but still, it was a big commitment to take on, Mr. Boonsta. Real quickly, in 360 days from now, will Daniel Snyder still be the owner of the Commanders? I don't know, and the fact that I say I don't know is as damning of an answer as we could give right now. Sure is. I mean, I'm gonna say yes just because I think he will fix this in some to way. To be determined. To be continued tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. See you then. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.